Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. So cool. I love five o'clock services. I love the people that go there leaning into the Word of God. Amen. They're hungry. You can be doing a lot of other things right now, but you're in God's house. You're ready. Amen. In in an era where opinion has been elevated and weaponized, we're committed to something far, far more weighty than opinion is truth. Amen. God's word is truth. And what does truth do? Sets us free. Sets us free. So I've had an assignment today and I felt like... God has given me some things to just speak into where you are at as a church. And and I feel like I I need to do that again tonight, but it's from a different angle. And if you've got your Bible, you may want to join me in the book of Psalms. It's in the middle if you've got a decent Bible. Somewhere around the middle, the book of Psalms and Psalm 126. There is a word that I'm hearing across the planet. It's a word that I've really taken into my own heart because God's been doing a word in my life. He's been doing a work in in our church and I believe he's doing a work in the nation. He's doing a work here. He's doing a work in this state. He's doing a work in the church of this state and you and I know he needs to. And the big word that describes what he's doing right now is restoration. He's restoring. He's restoring. You need to know, and I mean this with all my heart, over the last couple of years, the church in my state in Queensland, which used to be the Sunshine State, we, we were, we've been praying for you because we watched what was happening in this state. And some things have been physical and some things have been emotional and some things have been spiritual, but at every level, God is restoring and His church is being restored and we're not going to be what we used to be. We're going into a new stage of greater anointings, greater glory, greater fruit. Are you with me tonight? And and in the book of Psalms, this this great Psalm, Psalm 126, it's to be honest, it's one of my favourites. The Lord began to show me some things that He wants to restore. We'll only get a chance to really extract one or two of them, but there's one in particular that I feel the Holy Spirit wants me to focus on just for a few minutes tonight, but we'll, we'll get there in a moment. Psalm 126, verse 1 says, When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, some versions say, When the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, we were like those who dream. Say, dream. dream. Our mouth was filled with laughter. Say, laughter. And our tongues with what? Singing. Then they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. And their response is, The Lord has done great things for us. And We are glad. When the Lord brought back the captives from Zion, what were they captive to? Where were they captive? Well, they were captives in Babylon. It's worth doing a little bit of research on that place and that season. God's people were incredibly discouraged. They'd been captive to a a brutal group of people for over seven decades, and they were captive and trapped and isolated and and, and totally worn down by their captors. But God began to do a new thing, a whole brand new thing, and he was bringing his people back to Zion. 
Now, we won't go into a big, deep Bible study here right now, but wherever you see Zion in the Bible, it's usually speaking of Jerusalem, the city of God, maybe a part of it. But God was bringing his people out of a place they weren't familiar with back to a place they were, a place of peace and joy and favor and life. Let me tell you something. That's what God, by His Spirit, is doing to the church right now. We were in a place we weren't used to. We were captive. We were locked up and isolated. But He's bringing us out of that space and into a space where we experience His goodness and His favour in a whole new way. And with it, there's new mercies. There's new anointings. When the Lord brought back the captives from Zion, they're like people that dreamed. We had fresh strength. We had fresh vision. We had freedom. We'd been downcast, but now there's something new happening. Listen to how downcast they were. There's an, another psalm, just a, a few down the block. They, these are called the Psalms of Ascent in this little block of, of the Psalms. Psalm 137, this is, this is what was happening in Babylon. Are you ready? It says in verse 1, by the rivers of Babylon, by the ri- don't go there, karaoke later, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yes, we wept, we remembered where. Zion, we remembered the place that we loved. But they were so discouraged and defeated, this is what happened. We hung our harps on the willows in the midst of it. For there, those who carried us away captive asked for us a song. And those who plundered us requested, saying, Sing us one of those songs of Zion like a drunk in a bar. Go on, swing it, go on, go on. Sing Sweet Caroline. Dancing Queen, go on, sing it. Go and sing one of those Christian songs. Sing those happy, clappy songs. And their response is, how can, how can we sing the Lord's song? In a foreign land, some versions say, and I think it's better, in a strange land. Some of us have felt like we've been in a strange land. The last couple of years, did it feel like Australia to you? It was weird. People started acting weird. I know, they sent me emails. Thank you very much. We'll get back to you soon. It was strange. In captivity, they, they, they were captive in this place that they didn't want to be, but they remembered what they'd lost and they remembered what they wanted and they, they longed for it and they began to get to the point where they just gave up. In fact, they took those instruments, those instruments of worship and those instruments of celebration, they hung them up on the tree and said, we're done. Have you met some people who have said that lately? There's still some people not back in church yet. There's people not yet experiencing life. They've come out of isolation, but isolation hasn't come out of them. They've come out of captivity, but captivity hasn't come out of them. You ever been that depressed? You ever been that flat? I have. I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sanguine. I'm a, you know, people say, are you a glass half full or a glass half empty? I'm a guy that's just glad there's a glass. Yeah. <laughs> I'm that guy. Yeah. But there have been times in my life that it's just hard. Yeah. And in those moments, you, you, you see what the enemy tries to steal from you. Your joy. When the Lord brought back the captives from Zion, we were like those who dreamed. I'm coming to that. Our mouths were filled with what? 
laughter and our tongues with singing. They're the things the enemy wants to steal from you. Dreams, joy, and songs. Here's what he's restoring to his church. Dreams, joy, and songs. Dreams, joy, and songs. When God begins his work of restoration, you'll feel it as well as see it, as well as hear it. There's joy. See, in the book of Nehemiah, one of my favorite books in the Bible, when, when Lynn and I came to the church which we now lead, it used to be called Glad Tidings Tabernacle. How spiritual does that sound? Well, we changed that name. It's called Hope Center. But when, when we arrived at that, people said, why? this is why I feel so much a kindred spirit with, 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 with this amazing ministry here at Newman. Not only uh, our pastor Corey and Simone, our friends, and, and not only have we been coming here for decades. Joffa, I had black hair when I came here first. And the, and, the, and the apostles used to sit behind you and you preached and your knees are banging together like Spanish castanets going, oh. Not only because of those days, but you know what? Because we, we're, we're an inner city church. Our church, when, when we were called, we left straight out. We came straight out of Youth Alive into this church in the downtown area of Brisbane. The building was covered in, in graffiti. Our next door neighbours were brothels. Church had declined by 70% in, the, in the, the, uh, the, the three years leading up to when we arrived. The night Lynn and I left our elders meeting, we're driving home. And it was really quiet in the car after we'd had this conversation. And I looked sideways and there's a tear running down Lynn's face. And I said, are you okay? She said, no. I said, why not? She said, we're going to go there, aren't we? <laughs> then I started crying. I said, yes, I think we are. <laughs> and we arrived in that church. God gave me two instructions on my first day, August 1, 2000. Job number one, go for a walk around the city. And I passed girls about to sell their bodies for the next hit of drugs. I found men sleeping under bus seats. People were a mess. I looked at our building. It was covered in graffiti. Went inside and the carpet was threadbare. The Holy Spirit said this to me. It's not what it is. It's what it will be. Now pick up your Bible. And this was my job. This was my first day at work. Do you know what I did? I read the book of Nehemiah. Cover to cover. And I read it and I read it. And for the next 12 months of our leadership, that's pretty well all I preached, the book of Nehemiah. And I saw how God raised up somebody to bring a work of restoration to his people. Nehemiah is a beautiful picture of the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, by the way. And there was so much that he did and there's so much to talk about. But in the midst of it, I, I, I began to see how, how a passionate leader could do things and people would rally around and they said, we're, part, we're, we're in, we'll be part of this work of restoration. And they get partway in and they get a little tired. And you know what God says to them, Nehemiah 8.10, one of my favourite verses. Leaders hear it. This should be one of your benchmark verses in life. Nehemiah 8.10. God says to somebody who's part of a work of restoration, are you up for this work of restoration? Do you believe the church of Jesus in the 21st century in this nation can be the greatest thing that this country's ever seen? I do. 
despite COVID and despite the, the, the secular media and everything working against us, I believe our greatest days are right on our doorstep. I believe we're moving into them right now. But it's going to need some men and women to step up and say, I'm in fully. But guess what? You get tired. Nehemiah got tired halfway through the job. See what he said to him? Nehemiah 8.10. The joy, say joy. joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Joy is fuel. Joy will keep you going. Joy will get you to where you need to go. It's not just, it's not just a sense of humour. I've met funny people that aren't happy people. But it's joy. Joy that's unspeakable, the Bible says. Full of glory. You, you, you lose your joy, you lose your strength. You lose your strength, you lose the fight. Restore to us the joy. The joy. That's what he's doing. He's restoring joy. You know where you'll find joy? In his presence is the fullness of joy. You know where you'll find it? Be filled with the Holy Ghost and with joy. It's there for us. And he wants to fill your tank. Some of us tonight, we're, we're just getting through. How you doing? I'm okay under the circumstance. Well, get out from under the circumstance. You're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. Come on. Stop repeating and rehearsing and reciting all the stuff that's getting you down. Begin to look to Him. Begin to let Him fill you again with His presence. Get joy back in your tank. Get joy back in your tank. Second thing He restored was a song. Song. I, I, had, I had breakfast maybe a month ago now with a young man who lost his dad way too young. I said, how you doing? He said, not good. He said, I, I come to church, Wayne, but I just can't sing. I just can't sing. I can't get it out. Have you ever been like that? I have. I remember a few years ago, they thought I'd had a stroke. I would literally, in a moment like this, live broadcast to, like, I'm told, thousands of churches. And I did this. I didn't know who I was or where I was. Just happened. Turned out I hadn't had a stroke. I'd preached 20 times in six days in three eastern states of Australia and the two islands of New Zealand. That'll do it to anybody at any age. Just say it. But the doctor said, we think you've had a stroke. Can I tell you something? That was like a kick in the ribs. And, and, and all of a sudden I started thinking, wow, I might not live. It's amazing how the enemy gets in, takes your joy, and then stuff starts to spiral down really, really quickly. In the middle of, a, like, a, it was just a bad day. It was a dark day. A friend of mine out of the blue rings me. says, Wayne, where, where are you? I said, I'm at home. He said, I've been driving around and God keeps telling me, ring Wayne and tell him, read the last chapter of the book of Habakkuk. I said, really? That's weird, but I'll do it. I read the last, book of, last chapter of the book of Habakkuk. This is what, this is what the prophet, and it's a major wrestle. It's, it's a classic picture of what we've all been through the last couple of years. 
There's a struggle, there's problems in the nation and Habakkuk is talking to God and God's speaking back to him and, and he's not sure how things are going to turn out but he comes to a final conclusion. It's right at the end of the book of Habakkuk. Short chapter, three, th- short book, three chapters, gets to the end. This is what he comes to this conclusion. He says, things mightn't change in a hurry. And though the fig tree doesn't blossom and there's no fruit on the vine, no cattle in the stall, no sheep on the hills. There's missing this and nothing there. He said, despite all the problems, are you ready for it? Yet will I rejoice in the Lord. He says, you know what? I can't change that, but I can change this by some choices I make. I'm going to begin to rejoice in the Lord. And, and then, you know, as he goes, he, said, he begins to rejoice in the Lord. You know what he says? He has made my feet like the feet of a deer. Have you ever seen deer? They, they're the absolute opposite to a beast of burden. Big old heavy ox, big old heavy elephant. How you doing? Okay, under the circumstance. Habakkuk was under the circumstance until he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to cast my cares on the Lord. I can't change that right now, but I can change this. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. And what happens is as he offloads the burden, the Bible says he made his feet like the feet of a deer. They're light. They prance. They climb hills. They go up mountains. They, 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 they get places where the beasts of burden cannot get. The higher places. Don't come into moments like this if you're a follower of Christ, daring the musicians to move you. Oh, mate, I'm a man. Real men sing real loud. Come on. Too cool for school. It's time, it's time. Look, the enemy is trying to steal from you a song because he knows if, if he can take your song, he can take your victory. I went home last night after an inspiring dinner. One of the, one of the deepest theological moments I've had with, with, a, with a church team, with, with, with the Numa team. It was, it was deeply profound. We laughed all night. And, uh, and, and I got home and just by the goodness of God, after much searching, I found the Brisbane Lions game. Praise God. And we taught the Adelaide Crows a lesson. Thanks be to God. At the end of the game, they did what they do every time they win. They sing a song. We are the pride of Brisbane town. We wear maroon, blue and cold. (laughs) Underwhelming support. Thank you very much. (laughs) We will always fight for victory. I I took an American friend of mine, a friend of yours, Pastor Joel Holm. I took him to a Brisbane Lions game one day. And we won. One of the guys in the team was in our church and we went and it was a great game. And as soon as we, the winning, the score had been done, the game was over, he went to get up and go. I said, you're going nowhere. So why? I said, we haven't sung the song. We stood up and sung with full voice. He sit there laughing. He said, you stupid Aussies. I said, no, 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 you're not getting it. You can't win and not sing. Some of us need to tell our face. We're a winner. Come on. We've been made more than a conqueror. Hey, we win. Read the book. 
Yeah, a few battles, few scars and bruises, big deal. We win, we win, we win. We are overcomers. The devil, the devil wants to steal the song from the church. He wants to steal your song, but let me tell you, take it back. When the Lord brought back the captives from Zion, we were dreamers, we were laughers, and we were singers. It's time. I feel like we're going to finish this service tonight. Singing with all our heart. Uh, I don't really like that song. Shut up. Sing. Let everything that has breath Praise the Lord. <laughs> Paul and Silas. They were under the circumstances. Read Acts 16. Oh my goodness. They'd done nothing wrong. They were doing everything right. How many Christians have you met over the last couple of years? Uh, yeah, I'm questioning my faith. <laughs> Having a few difficulties? Oh, possum, really? <laughs> Who lied to you and told you that following Jesus would be a bed of roses? Go have a chat with the Apostle Paul. Have you read his, <laughs> have you read his bio? Whipped, stoned, shipwrecked, wrecked, hated. Acts 16, he's with his friend Silas. All he was doing was ministering the kingdom of God. So what do they do? They get them, they beat them, they strip them butt naked, they get them in chains and then throw them into the innermost cell. Could you imagine what one of those Middle Eastern cells would have been like 2,000 years ago? So here we have it. Picture the scene. They're in the nude. They're in chains. They're in jail in the innermost cell and it's midnight. And you'll read this in the Amplified. <laughs> the Apostle Paul says to Silas, Silas, you still awake? Uh-huh. Get out your phone and bring up the Spotify app. <laughs> We're going to begin to praise the Lord. And here's, here's what the Bible says. They began to sing praises. All right. Let's just call it for what it was. It, with everything going wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think I'll go and worship today. I just don't feel like it. Have a chat to Paul and Silas. Yeah. They're not, I'm questioning my faith. No, no, no. They counted it all joy to suffer for Christ. Go figure. Go figure. And at midnight, the Bible says they began to sing praises. Guess what happened? The Bible says the first thing that happened, and all the other prisoners heard them. What do your work colleagues hear from you? Your family, your neighbours. What do they hear? All they heard from these two champions was praise. 
And as the praise went up, the power came down. The Bible says every chain snapped, every prison door flung open. And before you finish that chapter, even the prison guards were giving their lives to Jesus. Why? Because people chose to praise the Lord. And when we praise him, atmospheres change. You might need a miracle tonight, but you can contribute to one just by filling the atmosphere with praise. God is restoring to his church the song of the Lord. Praise and worship. Forget about the enemy mocking you, laughing at you when you're singing. They might be coming at you in all kinds of ways, but it doesn't matter. The enemy doesn't matter. But here's the big thing. Here's the big thing that I want to draw our attention to just before I finish tonight. When the Lord brought back the captives from Zion, we were like men that, what? Dreamed. Somebody once said, the poorest man in the world is not the man without the money, it's the man without the dream. I got home last night after dinner with your pastoral team. And there on the bench was a little brochure from Numa Church. It, it ruined a good night's sleep. I was so inspired. This is what I said to God. God, I want to dream again. Even just getting around this makes you want to dream. Makes you want to believe for more. Not shrink back. You know the Bible actually says that without faith it's impossible to please God. A few verses, that's in Hebrews 11. Go just a few verses earlier at the end of chapter 10. It says, God, with faith it pleases God. You know what God says doesn't please him? Those who shrink back and withdraw. I'm just going to settle down. Just going to settle down. You know, I was a raging, crazy teenager in the youth group, but I'm now doing university. And I'm more of a thinker now. Or, or, you know, I'm a, I've, I've got my degree and I'm a professional. I'm just going to settle down. Come on. No, 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 no. It's time to dream again. It's time to step up and step in to what God has for his people. We've all been through times that have been difficult. I get the last two years. We were on a bus, a group of pastors. We were in Israel. And somebody said, hey, you seen that news? From that town in China, Wuhan. Said, never heard of it. Yeah, apparently there's a virus. Said, oh, poor old China. Next thing, the whole globe. Yeah. Locked down. Who would have known? Within three weeks of us being on that trip, everything was shutting down. We opened a brand new building that cost us gazillions of dollars. We used it for two weeks. It was closed for six months. Some of you, your health suffered. Some of you, your businesses and your work situation. We, I get it. It's been difficult. Everyone's got a, a sad story. Everyone's got a story of, of how tough it's been. I was talking to some people serving and ministering into the Ukraine right now. Put some things into perspective. It's difficult. But through it all, God is restoring something. It's time to dream again. It's time to dream again. There's a call to look up and look in. And before I finish tonight, I just want to help you maybe tap into that space where the dreams happen. One more verse I'm going to put on the screen and then we're finished. 
Joel chapter 2, verse 28. Again, another prophet dealing with what's going on in his nation and, and things weren't going terribly well, but in the midst of it, God's calling his people to turn back to him. Let me tell you, in, in times of difficulty, we've got two choices. Walk away from God or press into him. And you see in the book of Joel, God's people being called to press into him. And the promise is in verse 28. And it will come to pass afterwards. Say afterward. This verse has been on my heart all year. And it will come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will do what? Prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And this is on the back of a time when that nation had experienced incredible adversity. But God was calling them to turn to him. And he says, when you do afterwards, afterwards, afterwards. You know what God is calling me to do? Not live anymore in the beforehand, but live into the afterwards. Step into that place where I'm experiencing daily or I'm experiencing personally the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. There's a whole lot of stuff floating around young adults these days. Kind of trying to deconstruct everything, pull stuff apart, question the reality of the work and the, and, and the power of the Holy Spirit today. We've kind of kept him within the pages of the Bible and he's saying, let me out. I want to work in you. I want to do a new thing in a new generation. He says, you know what? If you'll turn to me, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. There is new wine. There is a new anointing for a new day. Would somebody say amen? There's a new anointing for this day. There's a new, new work of the spirit of God. The restorer is wanting to work in his church. He's wanting to work in your life. And when he does, it changes everything. How do I know that? It happened for me. I'm a preacher's kid. And I look at teenagers and young people serving Jesus. Makes my heart leap. Because to be honest, my entire teen years were away from Jesus. Didn't serve him a day. And I came back to Christ because of praying parents and the goodness of God and a few friends that didn't give up on me. But then I became a follower of Jesus, but to be really truth and honest with you, I was a really bad Christian. Now, I was cynical about the Holy Spirit and somebody in this room is, just like I was, and it's okay. I'd had preachers come into our place and look at me. I'd hair past my belt. Really attractive. Had an attitude that stunk. People used to look at me and nobody ever asked me if I really surrendered my life to Jesus. They just thought I needed the Holy Spirit. And so they'd try all sorts of tricks on me. And all it did was make me more and more cynical. But I got to the point where I just actually had to have a conversation with God. And this is how it went. God, I've been a Christian for a few months now. I was 20. And God, I'm struggling. In fact, I'm almost a disgrace as a Christian. So God, you and I know how cynical I've been about the power of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I don't need anybody around today. I don't need anybody praying for me. 
I get that that's what happens for most people, but, but God, I need this. I just need you and me. And by his grace and his kindness, my house was empty that night. It was just me and God. Everybody was out. So God, if, if the baptism of the Holy Spirit's a real experience, I need it and I need it now because I'm not going to make it. Can I tell you something? I met with God in a life-defining, life-changing way that radically turned everything around in my life. He filled me with the Holy Ghost. I discovered what, what was prophesied by John the Baptist. He'll fill you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. He put a fire in my life. He gave me a new prayer life. It changed, it changed so much. But in the middle of that outpouring and the downloading of heaven into my soul, He gave me a vision. And that vision became a ministry called Youth Alive. I saw young people on fire for Jesus. Firstly, in a youth group that I was a part of, there was nine kids in a youth group. I was a leader of, of nine, or was one of the leaders, and became the youth leader of nine kids. And I could see myself preaching to thousands. I saw all kinds of works of the Spirit and revivals breaking out. This is the same guy that was struggling with his faith. But as God was pouring in, he was showing me how to look out and see a vision of a future he had for me. And even today, I'm still living part of that. And right now, your pastor and, and I and others, we're, we're gonna be gathering this week. And can I tell you something? Over the last few weeks, the Holy Spirit's been saying this to me. It's time to dream again. It's time to dream again. So I said, God, I'll dream if you feel me. And afterwards, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And there'll be prophecies and there'll be visions and there'll be dreams. The language of heaven will begin to break out. And you'll begin to see not only things, but you'll begin to see you the way He sees you and how He wants to use you. When the Lord brought back the captives from Zion, we're like men that dream. Here's a question. What happened to your dream? Who crushed it? Who stole it? Maybe he's a personal one. Who neglected it? I was just quietly sitting in my room this afternoon. The Holy Spirit just began to speak to me about you. Told me to tell you it's time to dream again. Not just make things up, not just create it, not just have a wish list. But let the Holy Spirit begin to work in you and put colour into your future. It'll make sense of your studies. It'll cause creative ideas to come from nowhere. It'll cause passion to get you up before the alarm clock. And it's all the work of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. 
The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead, and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.